All right, you guys, welcome back to Freedom Papers. We don't have Connor Clegg today. We have a very fun guest, someone that uh, I really admired because he's kind of exactly what the founders intended to have in our country uh, in terms of public service, servant leadership, and community-oriented men. So we have Jake Beckett coming on the show today. Jake, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, you guys, now I don't. I'm not going to do this justice. He's like an NFL former NFL player. Went to the Super Bowl. Was an Army Ranger, and now he's a community man that runs a nonprofit and does a bunch of other things. So, Jake, do you want to do you want to give more context to the uh, immensity of your background for everybody who maybe hasn't heard of you before? Well, you're you're very kind. Yeah. So I, I'm born and raised right here in Arkansas. Uh, I come from a bit of a football family. I'm a third generation Arkansas Razorback football player. So my my grandfather, dad, and uncle all played ball for the Hogs before me. My grandpa played for the U of A football team in the mid 1950s. That mm. was before they had face masks, and he had the he had the smile to prove it. Um, but yeah, I I knew exactly who I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to follow in their footsteps and be a part of that amazing legacy. I, I was very blessed to be able to do that. Um, I was a two time team captain up there on the hill and we had a couple of good teams um my, my junior and senior seasons i was fortunate to continue my nfl career with the patriots where as you mentioned i was a very small part of that amazing dynasty it was part of a super bowl championship super bowl 49 don't believe the hype it, it wasn't tom brady it wasn't bill belichick it was all me um you know they they tend to get all the credit brady and belichick and matthew slater and edelman and gronk they're really all overrated. I was the secret weapon of those teams. Um, so, so that's <laughs> strange. I, haven't I, heard I, I that really before. haven't gotten my just, my just deserts out of that. Um, but yeah, I, I was a, I was an athlete and then, you know, my, my last couple of seasons in new England, um, I started to feel the call to serve in the military. Uh, coach Bill Belichick is a, he's a great, uh, he's a great Patriot, uh, in, in more ways than one. Um, his dad, Steve Belichick, was a coach at the Naval Academy. Hmm. So Bill grew up in Annapolis, uh, you know, around a, a, a very uh, patriotic, you know, military environment right there at, at, at Annapolis, the Naval Academy. Um, and so when, you know, during the off seasons and even during the seasons uh, with the Patriots, Coach Belichick would have uh, military veterans um, to come and speak to us, come mentor us, um, you know, even do things like teach us combatives and you know, like leadership type lessons. Uh, Roger Staubach, a great Naval Academy uh, quarterback and later very successful businessman in Texas, was was a, a regular, um, some other admirals and, and even active duty Navy SEALs. And so spending time around those guys uh, really inspired me. And I knew that I wanted to play football for as long as I could. Um, but I also knew that when my football playing days were over, I wanted to serve in the military. And that's what I did. Mm. Well, that's quite nice. And so, so you joined Army Rangers eventually. What was that like? I mean, that's uh, quite a task. Yeah. So I enlisted in the Army. Um, I went through the officer candidate school program, uh, where you go through basic training. Um, I went through uh, OCS, which is how you you commission as an officer uh, if you don't go to West Point or through an ROTC program. Uh, so commission as an infantry officer. I wanted to be with the infantry. Um, you know, I wanted to lead a rifle platoon. Um, I went through Ranger School, volunteered and graduated from the Army Ranger School, which is a, a pretty grueling uh, experiment, experience. Uh, I, I'm proud to, to have earned my Ranger tab, but uh, never again, as a, lot of, as a lot of Rangers will say. Uh, you, you never want to go back and do that. Uh, but it was a great experience. Uh, you know, learned a lot, not just in small unit tactics, but in leadership and um, you know, just really 
um, you know, preparing for, you know, what could come, uh, you know, when you're leading your platoon. Um, I was able to, to go to the 101st Airborne, uh, become a platoon leader. Uh, we deployed to Iraq uh, in, in 2019, uh, spent about five to six months over in Iraq. And, um, you know, it was just a, it, I had a great experience in the military. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, it was just a, an incredible honor to have the opportunity to serve. Um, and I met some of the most incredible young patriots in the military, uh, you know, junior officers, uh, the, the soldiers in my platoon, the NCOs, you know, when you're in combat arms, when you're in the infantry, you know, you're just, you're surrounded by tough nosed, you know, red blooded Americans from every background imaginable. Um, but we're all united by our commitment to serve and our commitment to fight. Oh, that's quite nice. Um, I mean, I feel like you probably get asked this a lot, given the state of the current administration. What are your thoughts uh, as a veteran seeing our leadership on a, a domestic and international stage, uh, especially with the military? Well, it makes me very angry to see the dichotomy between you know what I experienced uh, in the previous administration under President Trump as my commander in chief, mm. and then seeing what's happened now under Biden and Lloyd Austin. Uh, it, it really is an absolute disgrace. We saw that last year uh, with the debacle in Afghanistan. We've seen, um, you know, some of this, uh, the, the, the social justice agenda that the radical left seems, uh, you know, hell-bent on uh, in, in injecting into our military, which in my opinion, that, that really has no place uh, in the military, but they, they're hell-bent on, on indoctrinating our troops, in my opinion, um, you know, you just you, you see we saw it in the Obama administration um, over those eight years. You know, when you speak to soldiers in the army um, who were there during the Obama years, uh, they said it was just night and day, um, you know, bad to good uh, when President Trump took took over. And then, you know, when I speak to the soldiers who are still active duty, you know, they, they say the same thing. It's just like a night and day, unfortunately, wow. uh, in the wrong direction. Wow. I geez. And so all of the mess caused by Biden and, and these weak leaders leads a lot of people to wonder how it went wrong. And that's what we focus on here at Freedom Papers, evaluating the Federalist Papers, Anti-Federalist Papers, and in general, our founding values and the history of it. Um, I know that a lot of older people, uh, you and I have kind of talked about this before off camera, a lot of older people are looking for hope in younger Americans. And they're wondering, how did the good ones turn out so good? And then how did the rest of them turn out like AOC and the crazy people that you see on TikTok? And so I'm kind of curious, uh, what do you think led to you being such a service-oriented person? Because now, on top of that, you got out of the military and, and started a nonprofit, right, to help small businesses in your community. So so how did you get interested in not only the military, in being a public figure in terms of being in sports, doing all of this stuff, and then you started a nonprofit in your own community? What gave you that foundation of values, do you think? Well, it, it starts with my faith and it starts with my family. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if you if you zoom out and just look at our country, I mean, if we're gonna uh, if we're gonna have a constitutional republic, you know, we have to have um, servant leaders. You know, we have to have a, a commitment and an obligation um, to to serve uh, if we're gonna live uh, in this under this form of government, uh, because that's really the only way that a, a constitutional republic survives is if you have um, you know you have a, a mass of citizens. Um, who are free thinkers, but who also have, you know, that 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 burning fire inside them to serve their their communities, serve their states, uh, and serve their country. And you know, that's uh, you know, that's something that I, I grew up in that tradition uh, inside my household. 
you know, my parents, they, they never served in the military or, or served in politics, but you know, they're great patriots and, and they instilled um, that love of state and love of country inside me and my brothers. And, you know, that's just the, the way I, I saw things. Um, you know, I, I was I, I played football for a number of years. Um, you know, I, I had found success and you know, I made some money, um, but I was in my mid 20s and I was healthy. And, you know, I, I just I, I thought to myself that I didn't want to look back on my life um, and, and know that I had the opportunity to serve in the military or serve in politics. And for whatever reason, I didn't do it. Um, and, and so that was part of the reason that motivated me to serve in the army. Um, and that's part of the reason that motivated me, uh, to, to run for office as well. And, and start the nonprofit you mentioned, you know, I was, um, you know, I, I was in the army. My last year in the army was during the 2020, uh, pandemic. And mm -hmm. when I came home to Arkansas in early 2021, uh, a lot of small businesses were still uh, being adversely affected by um, the pandemic and the lockdowns associated with it. And so I decided to start a nonprofit called the Arkansas Fund, a 501c3. Um, we raised uh, over six figures in contributions and made uh, small grants to uh, 37 Arkansas small businesses. I mean, true, true small businesses, uh, you know, mostly mom and pop small businesses all over the state in different industries. Um, but we tried to focus on Arkansas small businesses um, that were in service-related industries um, that were really affected negatively by the pandemic. And, you know, I, I just think it's it's inspiring to travel the state of Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is God, God's country. Uh, I'm, I'm as biased as you can get. I love the state of Arkansas, but it truly is a special place um, filled with God-fearing, red-blooded American patriots. And um, you know, anything I can do to serve my community, my state, um, and the United States of America, I'm going to do it. Oh, I love that. That's really great. And I think it's, I hope at least it's inspiring to younger people out there who need a little direction. I, I think we lack a lot of purpose, I would say, in our society. We have everything handed to us, basically. And so unless you go out and seek purpose and understand serving others really gives you that sense of purpose the most and that sense of fulfillment, um, people feel a little lost these days, especially young girls and boys. Now, um, getting into this, I mean, I like your social media videos that you have with sitting down with all the small business owners. I think that's really special. And we talk on Freedom Papers about how the Federalists, the Anti-Federalists, they were concerned about repeating a King George situation. And so a lot of the discussions are uh, an overpowering military. Should we have a standing army? Should we have an oppressive force that could be weaponized against the American people? And then the general lesson of connecting it to today is that there's actually this overpowering bureaucracy, the fourth branch of government. And I know you've also spoken about those things too. So, I mean, you definitely saw that and the impact that the federal government can have on these small community level businesses, um, how infuriating was it for you to have conversation after conversation with people that were so negatively impacted by these tyrannical bureaucrats? Well, tyrannical is, is exactly the word that I would use to describe the present situation. It, it's truly unconscionable um, you know, what citizens and especially small business owners and their employees are forced to deal with. Um, in modern America, especially uh, after the past two years and really just kind of zooming back uh, in the last hundred years of the progressive era. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you mentioned the Federalist Papers, um, you know, the time of our founding. I mean, the, what, what's what's happened in our country over the last couple of years uh, was truly unthinkable to our founding generation. I mean, they, they if, if they knew um, you know, that the, the federal government and the weaponized bureaucracy was, 
you know, essentially going to go door to door and, you know, force people, you know, using, uh, you know, the, the kind of the union between these giant woke corporations and the tyrannical federal government, um, you know, to force people to, you know, for instance, take a, a vaccine against their will uh, under pain of, you know, losing their employment or not being welcome in, in, in public or, uh, you know, in, in, in places of public accommodation. If they knew that was our future in this country, they, they would have fallen before King George and, and begged forgiveness. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's sad to, to read the Federalist Papers and, you know, essentially everything that Jay and, and, and Hamilton and Madison uh, were arguing would not happen uh, under the, the new Federalist system. Uh, not only did it happen, but it was way worse than anything they ever possibly could have imagined. Um, and I know that happened over a long period of time, but, um, you know, we've if if this republic, if this if this constitutional republic is going to uh, be saved and, and exist for for ourselves and our posterity, um, then we're going to have to go back to that, you know, little r Republican form of government where power is decentralized um, and this this out of control federal government and particularly the bureaucracy that you mentioned, the unaccountable administrative state, the out of control judiciary. You know, that's another thing that, you know, Hamilton in particular, as you know, um, you know, he argued, I mean, just just to, as, a, as a point that you, I'm sure you're aware of, you know, the original Supreme Court had six justices on it. So, you know, if the founders intended for the Supreme Court to be this grand arbiter of divisive social issues like Roe v. Wade, then, you know, why would they have put an even number of justices on the court? Mm. It, it was never intended to be this. And so, you know, we, we've had this this out of control federal government and the bureaucracy that's just spiraled out of control really over the last 100 years that's reached its apex now uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, he, here we are. I, I mean, it, we're, we're at a position where, um, you know, it, it, even people as young as you and I, we never could have anticipated this being the reality. Um, and it's part of the reason that motivated me for, to run for office, because I, I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing, um, you know, and, and leave a, a worse country than the one that I grew up in. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what the founders intended, not lifelong politicians, but people that have successful lives that are are doing well in their personal life, doing well in the community. And they say, you know what, I can serve in this capacity for uh, a certain amount of time and and give back. And so that's really what they had intended. Now, we're only on like 29 of 85 Federalist Papers, so we haven't necessarily gotten to the judiciary section yet. For anybody listening, that's like, what is he talking about? Um, but yes, you're exactly right. And to see this Roe v. Wade stuff is just crazy. I'm going to do a podcast episode on that later today, actually. Um, I'm curious, let's talk about solutions. Um, on a smaller level, I think we need to rethink education and and that could be smaller or bigger level. But I mean, like rethinking how a mom and a dad pass down values to their child, talk about issues, explain to them taxes and finances and government and policy and history instead of trusting the federal government to do so in their government indoctrination camp classrooms. Um, So it's not necessarily we need to fix the education system. It's more of like, why are we trusting them to do that? And pass down certain lessons in the first place. I mean, have you ever heard people say, oh, I can't believe my kid graduated learning the Pythagorean theorem, but they can't change a tire or they can't do their taxes. 
yeah, why why would we want the government to be responsible for teaching those things in the first place? But I digress. I'm curious, you know, what was your experience in school learning about the founding and learning about these things? And what do you want to see? I mean, did you like the Arkansas school system? Or what are you trying to um, make happen given your potential future leadership roles? Well, you're exactly right. And I, I share, um, you know, your distaste with what public education has become uh, in this country. Um, you know, I, I think that that's why I'm a, a strong advocate for school choice. The, the term that I prefer is parental choice in mm. education, because, you know, I think we need to get to a system ultimately where uh, the money is attached to the student um, by way of their parents. And, you know, if we're going to have government funded public education, then I think at the very least, then parents should be able to decide, um, you know, the, the best way to educate their children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a lot of cases, that's going to be within the existing public school system. But in many cases, as you referenced, I mean, homeschooling in this country, it's been so interesting to see how that has exponentially grown over the past 40 and 50 years. Uh, you know, now we're talking about multiple millions of students, of children who are being homeschooled. And I think that's fantastic. And, and I think that, um, you know, it's, it's good to have competition. I mean, I, I come from a sports background and a military background. I think competition is a good thing. Um, you know, so I, I think that competition makes us better and whatever way um, that we can promote competition in education that it's going to make um, it, it's going to make our, our, our civil society, uh, you know, it's going to make us better. And, you know, ultimately, like I was I was raised, like I said, in a, in a, in a two parent home where I was taught to love the Lord and you know respect uh, our, our country and our country's history. Um, you know, I was very blessed to, to go to schools that. Um, not only, you know, taught us, you know, the, the traditional, um, you know, interpretation of uh, not only the Constitution, our founding documents, but, you know, rooted um, in you know, the history of Rome and, and you know, the, the, you know, Western civilization, if you will, um, that really traced the roots of our Republican form of government. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really sad and sickening to, to see, you know, you, you, you meet young people today and, and so few of them have that understanding and you know you're 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 simply not going to have a sustainable republic if you have a citizenry that doesn't really have any understanding of how that came to be how rare it is um, over the course of history um, you know not many democracies and certainly not many republics have survived um, you know for more than two or three centuries um, and, and so if we're gonna if we're gonna keep this republic as Franklin said we've got to have an educated robust, self-sufficient citizenry. Um, and I, I think parental choice and education is one way to promote that. Um, and it shouldn't, it, it's got to come from the bottom up, you know, from parents and families rather than from the top down from the federal government and the bureaucracy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the biggest lessons we've learned over the last few years is first of all, people are willing to put up with quite a lot um, and and not stand up for themselves and their families. And it's quite shocking, but you cannot force people to care. The people have to care and and want different for themselves and their families before they they will consider having some form of change or expecting change from their politicians. And a lot of people just don't care. And it's this dangerous complacency. Um, so that's really interesting regarding education. What do you think, though, in terms of fixing a lot of the problems? I mean, we talked about the politicalization of the courts, of the judicial system. Uh, what else do you see as a problem? I mean, Let's do federal at the federal level. Is it people on our side that have lost their core values or perhaps lied about them in the first place or are taking for granted what we have here and don't understand how serious this is? Or is it the rise of the radical left? Is it both? 
Well, I, th- I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I think that uh, in Washington, in the in our federal government, we have you know a a deeply committed, uh, you know, rabid, uh, aggressive, um, you know, represent- body of representatives who represent the left, the other side, and you have politicians on the right uh, who go to Washington to be something. You know, they 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 want to be in elected office. They want to have their name on a door, see their name in the paper, have people come and ask them for things. But there there's a huge gap between um, you know, American citizens, the base, the beating heart of the grassroots and our elected leaders, particularly on the right. Um, but when it comes to solutions, I mean, we have to we have to devolve power away from the federal government back to the states where it belongs. Um, obviously, in your on this show and your reading of the Federalist Papers, um, I'm sure that's 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 been uh, that's been elucidated very clearly, um, and it, it needs to happen rapidly. And I, I'm encouraged to see um, you know some red state, uh, you know right leaning states um, start to assert themselves more, um, you know to to fight back, um, you know because that's that's really that, that's where I see um, you know a, a, a sense of optimism going forward is in people in these in these right-leaning states these these redder states um you know people um you know and, and young people in particular people from different you know i guess you'd say like non non-traditional <laughs> households they, they've seen the federal government reach out and touch them over the past two years in ways that had never happened to them before yeah and i think we have a great opportunity particularly among young people um if we can if we can lead boldly and articulate it uh, we have a, the opportunity to capture them, um, you know, to, to 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 rally them to our side, to our cause, um, because I, I think that instinctively in this country, people are still independent. They're still self-sufficient. They, they still want to breathe free. Um, but we've got to have leaders who can articulate that, um, you know, who can who can present that in an attractive way, uh, because, you know, as you know, I mean, self-sufficiency is not always you know, hard work. Uh, you know, eating what you kill, that's not always the most attractive message. Um, it, it, I think ultimately it is if you can, if you can say it the right way. Um, but, you know, we're, we're fighting against um, this insidious message that, you know, you're a victim, that, um, you know, people owe you things. Um, you know, unfortunately, the, the federal government has really done some horrible things to people um, over the last you know, century, especially in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But we still have to foster um, that that independence, that robustness, um, you know, that 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 drive, that that independent streak that has always defined American culture. Yeah. Nose to the grindstone. OK, well, Jake, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any closing thoughts, um, closing message, especially to the young men listening that uh, are hoping to find a path in life and perhaps could use a mentor like you, a role model? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would still, despite all the problems, um, you know, at the federal level in our military, I would still encourage um, you know, all the young men who are listening to consider, um, you know, having military service as a part of your life. That's not the path for everyone. Um, but, you know, college at age 18 is not always the answer either. And, um, you know, it's a great opportunity to, to serve, um, to, to be around other you know, young men who uh, believe the same things that we believe. Um, you know, and, and so I just I really hope to, to engage and inspire uh, other young men across the state of Arkansas and across the country um, just to, to, to put their shoulder to the wheel um, and to step up and take our place as the next generation of leaders in this great country. 
All right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do inspire them. Thank you for joining. We appreciate it. And how can we stay connected with you? Is your Instagram Jake Beckett or is it Jake.Beckett? Yeah, it's Jake underscore Beckett, uh, Jake Beckett 91 on Twitter, uh, Getter, everything. Uh, JakeBeckett.com is my website. Um, so check me out. Stay connected. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Morgan. You too.